the way it is. The song said, God never moves without purpose or plan when trying his servant or molding a man. Give thanks to the Lord, though your testing seems long. In darkness he giveth a song. And rejoice in the Lord, he makes no mistake. But when things come into our life that we wouldn't have chosen, it's easy for us to react to them. It's easy for us to complain. And how do we handle those things in life? Um, Tonight, we're going to give you a handout that um, Jason and Andrew will be handing out. One of... One of a couple of handouts here tonight, and it's dealing with handling problems. If, um, if you've never had any problem in your life, well, put it in your Bible so when you do have a problem, you can um, refer to it, okay? But in reality, um, there will be problems. We create our own problems, and there are family problems, and there are work problems and church problems. But the reality is that if you realize the spiritual warfare that you are in, and we alluded to that this morning from the book of Joshua, there are battles. And understand that Satan seeks to defeat us. And one of the ways that he defeats us is he divides and conquers. And whether it be in a marriage, whether it be in a family, whether it be in a church body, and in understanding, he will many times in various and sundry ways, drop a little problem in there, and the problem creates a bigger situation than uh, ever needed to be. And the problem is not the problem, but the problem is our response to the problem. And so what should be a biblical response? And, And the applications of this are across the board. And, um... We, we wanted to give you this because this is so important for us to understand in our personal lives and then to learn to live it out. Our response to the problem is the most important. So what should our response be? Number one, we most are tempted when problems come to complain, to murmur, to be a good children of Israel example, so to speak. But the one thing we need to do is give thanks. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And you say, but this isn't God's will because it came about by sin. Well, if it's in your life, God has allowed it. And and to give thanks, Ephesians 5.20, giving thanks always for all things. I mean, that doesn't give us any wiggle room, and honestly, this will be one of the hardest things. Number one, to to catch ourselves. When problems come, we're we're easily um, 
wrapped up with emotions and self and all these things, but to stop and say, God, I don't feel thankful, and it doesn't matter whether you feel thankful. It's an act of obedience. I give thanks to you that you are God, and you are in control, and you know all things, and you are able to make all things work together for good, and you know what I need, and you make your grace abundant, and you make it available to me in my life. Right there, we've listed a half a dozen things that we can thank God for. I thank you that I am your child, and you've begun a good work in me, and you will continue that work. So it, it begins by um, giving thanks. Then secondly, to cry out to God for wisdom. Mark Felderman told me there is no limit to what you don't know, and I agree totally with that. And we don't know how we are to respond in problems that come up in our life. And and usually our first response is is often wrong because it's a response of the flesh. And we need to say, God, I need your ministry in my life. I need your direction. We studied James, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth it to all men liberally, and he doesn't rebuke us for asking. I mean, I don't care uh, how much of the Bible you know. I don't care how long you've walked with God. I don't care what experience you have This is a new situation that you're in. You're not the same person you were yesterday. And we need God's wisdom. And it's to cry out to God. God, thank you for allowing this in my life. I know you have a purpose for it. But God, I cry out to you. Please give me wisdom from above. James 3 says, The wisdom from above is first pure and peaceable, and gentle, and easy to be entreated, and full of mercy and good works. So the reality is that we need the wisdom from above. The wisdom that is not from above is earthly and sensual and devilish. So it's crying out to God for wisdom. Then to see this as a chance to die, you can write down Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not it's me that's living, but it's Christ who lives in me. If, If we propped a dead man up in this chair tonight, it wouldn't matter how you mocked him. It wouldn't matter... How you ridiculed him, it wouldn't matter how you attacked him, he would have no response to you because he is dead. And much of the problem, many of the problems that come in our life is because we are protecting self. And self has been offended and and often God's purpose is to bring us to the point where it's not about me. And, and to say, you know what? It's, it's not about me. 
And God, show me where I need to die to self. And over and over in my life, God has shown me that this point right here is is one of the main things of me dying to self. And then we need to ask ourselves, should love hide this? I, I, we printed this out tonight because I want you to be able to have it and take it home with you. And I already see one of the things about printing it out early is some of you have already read through it all and that one doesn't apply, that one doesn't apply. Oh, that applies to them and not to me or whatever. But that's all right. I mean, that's, I know this is what God wanted us to do. So, but the reality is, to ask yourself, should love hide this? Love covers a multitude of sin. And, and because Marilyn loves me and I love her, there are things that she's been very patient with in my life because she loves me. And vice versa. Love is not Looking to find things wrong, when things wrong are noticed, it, if, if it needs to be corrected, then love shouldn't hide it. But it may be a situation that, that I just need to, to have long-suffering. It may be a situation, you know what, God's still working on me, and God's still working on them, and um, this will be something that... Because I love them, I'm not going to make a big issue of this. Number five, remember there are two sides to every story. He that answers a matter before he hears it is not wise. We hear one side of the story. Someone said God gave us two ears to hear both sides of the story. I like to say there's three sides to the story. There's one person's, another person's, and then there's God's. And it can be real that two people are both wrong and we need to get with God. And the thing is, we need to understand before we come to conclusions, whether it's in a marriage, whether it's in a family, that only God knows all the truth. And there are two sides to every story. Then it is important that we follow the Matthew 18 pattern. The Matthew 18 pattern, and and we're not going to take the time to go in and read it. That's why we printed this out so you'd have the scripture there. But if a person is offended, they are to go to them... Or if they sense that they have offended someone, they are to go to them. Matthew says it's both ways. If you've offended someone or you have been offended, so really, ideally, they ought to be meeting, going together. But they are to go to them individually and to try to work things out. That's still God's plan. It doesn't matter in our age of technology. That's still God's plan because 
when you go to them individually, you can understand better their heart by reading their countenance, by hearing, by carrying on conversations. So that doesn't mean that we can substitute and do things a different way. It begins. And you know, most problems will be taken care of if we actually did this. The majority of them are usually taken care of in these situations. It doesn't say to go to someone else. It doesn't say to build your team. It doesn't say to post it on social media. It doesn't, it says to go to them individually. And I know we can, we can kind of milk the system by, well, I just want to, I want to share this with someone so they'll pray about it. It doesn't say share it with someone to pray about it. It says go to them individually. And that's the pattern. Number seven, you want to keep the circle as small as possible. Proverbs, again, I say read a proverb every day and, and you will be reminded of these truths. And it says, he that handleth a matter that does not belong to him is like one who takes a dog by the ears. In other words, if you're not part of the problem or the solution, don't go to someone else that's not part of the problem and keep the circle as small as possible because if you don't, you will get bit. You will get damage done to you or you will be bringing damage to others. And that's why he says keep the circle as small as possible. I, I have seen in marriages that um, individuals go bashing their spouse to others and, and then God works in, in their hearts and brings reconciliation. And these others that they bash their spouse to are saying, why did you go back to that bum? All the things he did to you or she did to you and, and you went back to... They weren't part of the problem or the solution. And they did not get the grace that God gives in those situations And it is important for us to understand the reality of this. We've illustrated it it many times before, but it's important for us to illustrate it again. Let's just say that Bruce and I have a problem, that I've offended Bruce, and I feel he's offended me. And rather than handle it biblically... I go to Bill and I say, you know, I wish you'd pray for me. I'm having a problem with Bruce and he did this and he did that. And, and you know what? If Bruce and I have a problem, God will give Bruce and I grace. He will make it available in our life to be able to handle it biblically. But he won't give Bill the grace for this problem. 
He'll give Bill the grace to say to me, wait, 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 I don't need to hear this. You have a problem with Bruce, you need to go see Bruce. And that's to turn the offender or the offended back because, okay, God's using this in our life to to purify us, to develop our love and, and all these things. But when I go to others... Or let's say that I, you know, I'm, I'm feeling down and Kurt says, what's the matter? And I say, ah, you know, that Bruce. See, immediately he ought to say, wait a minute, I don't need to hear about it. You get together with Bruce and I'm going to check with you Wednesday night at church and see if you've done that yet. That's biblical. That's God's plan for us because God will give us the grace. Sorry, I'm using you as an illustration. I didn't mean anything by it. But God will make available to us the grace. He doesn't just give it to us. It's like he piles it up in his word. And in prayer and in fellowship with Him. But if I neglect the Word and I neglect fellowship with Him and I harden my heart, that's why He says in Hebrews, Be careful lest any man fail of the grace of God. So God makes this grace available to me, but I fail of the grace of God and a root of bitterness springs up and it troubles many. So, it's point the offended to the offender and vice versa. And check later to make sure they've made reconciliation or sought to. Refuse to think evil, let alone speak evil. This is something all of us have to battle. And, and it's easy for us to think evil of people. It's easy for us to attach motives to what they did. And, and, and yet, as believers, he said, it is important for us that we manifest genuine love. And that means to not speak evil one of another. 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. And then to see it as an opportunity to show love. Matthew says, if you love those that love you, what reward have you? Even the unsaved do that. But if you love the unlovely, if you bless those that persecute you and Pray for those that despitefully use you. He said, that, that's a supernatural love. And he says, then they will know we are Christians by what? Our love. How did you respond like that? It's only God. That doesn't come natural. And, and it's, it's realizing because I am called to love, I'm refusing to think evil. 
I and for sure I'm not going to speak evil. See it as an opportunity to show love and claim the promises of God. God, you promised that you can make all things, even this, work together for good. To those that love you and are committed to your purpose. I am committed to your purpose, to Christ-likeness. Romans 8, 29. And God, you promised that you would make your grace available. In my weakness, then am I strong because your grace is sufficient. And then you overcome evil with good. Romans twelve nineteen through 21. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him the drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And then remember the four rules of communication. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Those of you that have been around here a few years should know these by heart. Um... Those of you that have played girls' soccer should know them by heart. I'm not going to embarrass you tonight in asking you. But we go over these every year in the first weeks of practice because it's girls' soccer. But it doesn't matter if it was boys' soccer. It needs to be gone over because wherever you have two people, you have great potential for problems, let alone if you have more than that. And and these are basic and foundational, and I'm just quickly going to go through them. From verse 25, it says, be honest. Be honest doesn't just mean don't tell a lie. Be honest In Ephesians 4.15, he also says that we are to speak the truth. So somebody says, what's wrong? Nothing. Is that the truth? What prompted them to even ask you what's wrong? There must have been something about your countenance that made them ask you. Now, it may be that there is nothing, but is that the truth? Be honest. Number two, keep current. Solve today's problems today. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath because that gives place to anger and it opens the door for resentment and for Satan. Number three, attack the problem, not the person. He says in verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. Does it minister grace? Does it make them want to to draw near to God? And then act, don't react. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking, all of these things be put away from you. Okay, I'm putting those away. What am I supposed to put on? But be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Act, don't react. No matter how irresponsible 
the other person acts, we must do what is right. And that's a way to show that if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. The way I used to respond to problems. Behold, all things have become new. I now respond to problems. I'm learning. As believers, we ought to be learning. Does it mean we always do it right? No. But when we do it wrong, then we humble ourselves and go back and make it right and and deal with it. And problems that come in life are a great opportunity to show us who will come down on God's side. I am committed to following God's ways. Whether it's in a marriage, it doesn't matter how people respond. It doesn't give you the right to react. You do what is right no matter what. But they did. It doesn't matter what they did. I am going to stand before God and give an account of myself to God. And I'm not going to be able to say, well, you know, they did this and this. And and so that gives me the right to respond this way. No, I need to do what is right. And as you look through Scripture, God places a high, high priority on pursuing peace among the brethren. Um, if I could have some guys come and, and help hand out a couple more things. That's why we don't have any notes on the overhead tonight. These and also these. So we could use a couple more to help probably here. This pink sheet. And it's pink for a purpose because pink has a calming effect, all right? That's why Hayden Fry painted the visitor's locker room in Iowa City pink. That's why teams that come in there cover it with their team colors, okay? But just a little sidelight there. Um, But we're not going to go over this all by any means tonight. And that's why we printed this off. This comes um, some notes that are taken from a book, Pursuing Peace. And we often do not place near the value that we ought to on God's desire. He said, how good and how pleasant it is that brethren dwell together in unity. Now, it's not unity for unity's sake, but it's unity around Christ. And and that comes when we make a commitment to please God. That has to be our number one commitment, to please God. And then when we realize and are convicted of sinful behavior in our life, that we realize... My sinful desires breed quarrels and fights, and they spring out of my fear and out of my hate and out of my bitterness and greed. And you can read over some of those things, but I want you to notice on the back page, and 
Colossians chapter 3, and this is your little cardstock, yellow cardstock. Um, we are going to work as a church on memorizing these, and my prayer to God is that we would not only memorize them, but we would start to live the truth of this out in our homes, in our relationships. This this right here is revival. And and you notice it. You can either look on your pink sheet or on the yellow card. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God. He's writing to believers. What are we supposed to put on? Bowels of mercy or compassion. I said you could look at the yellow card or the pink. Let me just direct you to the pink because it makes comments here. Compassion is to see the suffering person, to feel the pity in response to the suffering, to act to minister to them, to help them. We're to put on bowels of mercy, kindness, doing mercy, doing good. The attitude should not be, that's the last time I'm going to help him. I'll just stay away from them. Enough is enough. But, and again, these are... These are all epitomized by Jesus Christ. And to be Christ-like, we need to do this. Kindness, humbleness of mind, humility is being dependent upon God. Trusting in God that allows others to be honored above me, I think of their needs first. Humbleness of mind, meekness. Meekness is giving up one's rights. Meekness is strength under control. Meekness is many times as well translated gentleness, the goodness that enables a person to be friendly and kind toward others, acts as a friend to those who are may consider them enemies. To put on long-suffering or patience, to bear with people, to not grow angry or bitter or irritated or annoyed with them, even when they are foolish or ungrateful or even apparently hopeless. It is the ability to serenely to take people as they are with all their faults and their failings and with all the ways in which they hurt and wound us and never stop caring for them and bearing with them. Every one of us wants mercy. We want Every one of us are very merciful with ourselves. But we need to get the mercy of God and give it to others. We want mercy, but to be merciful and um, to, to have long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. And and a deal. This is all of these things. The early church experienced all the things of life. And so God directed Paul to write to the church at Colossae. And he said, if any man have a quarrel against any, 
This should be your pattern. As Christ forgave you, you forgive them. But you don't know what they did to me. As Christ forgave you, you forgive them. I'm not sure they're sincere. As Christ forgave you, you forgive them. None of us have an offense in our life that even comes close to the offenses we've brought to God. And if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also forgive them. And then above all things, on top of all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of oneness, the bond of perfectness. This is, this is genuine love. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. When I am protecting self, the peace of God doesn't rule. It's, ooh, you're attacking me. Get away. And what are you trying to take from me? There is no peace. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. The pink sheet doesn't have it, but we're going to memorize it, and you that grew up in patch already know it. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, and that is the key to all of this. Unless the word of Christ is dwelling in us richly, it's not going to happen. It doesn't come by saying, oh, today I'm going to try to be more kind. Today I'm going to try not to think. No. This is spiritual. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Mighty through God. It's through His Word. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart. And whatever you do, Do all to the glory of God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he brings that in again. Giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And this is, it. these are the things that separate true followers of Christ from the world. Because the world can't do this. And as believers, we need to start showing that God can do it through us. We many times are living no differently than the world. Well, differently in the sense we're at church on Sunday night. We don't have some of the same habits. But do they see us responding to problems in life different than the average person. And this is why it's so important that we follow these principles. Notice the questions there. Can I sincerely say, and this is kind of a review of this whole paper, I encourage you to to take this home and, and get before God and say, God, show me my heart. But can I sincerely say I want to please God more than anything else, more than myself, 
Have I thanked God for this? Have I recognized my part in the conflict? What ruled my heart to do what I did? And on the other side, it goes into some detail. Am I willing first to repent to God and then to the offended? Am I willing to love the person? Have I prayerfully asked God to go through the eight qualities listed in the In Colossians chapter 3, have I prayerfully asked God to show me my heart? See, if every one of us would just turn our focus to my heart, quit thinking about everybody else. God help you if tonight you say, man, I hope so-and-so is listening tonight. God help you if you're thinking, man, wouldn't you know it? They aren't here tonight. God help you if you're thinking of anybody else but your own heart. And every one of us ought to examine our own heart. You know what? I am not going to answer for any of you when I stand before God. I am going to answer to God for me, and that's a full-time job. And you aren't going to answer for anybody else but you, and that's a full-time job. And that's what the fear of the Lord ought to grip our hearts, that that we're going to be measured by Colossians chapter 3. Yeah, but. No yeah, buts. Jeff Hall and the yeah, buts, right? But the reality is, this this is biblical Christianity, and the world is... Desperately needing to see real Christianity. Real Christianity isn't taking the right stand on everything and then not living it. Real Christianity is bringing our life into submission to Christ. And do we fall and fail? Yes, but we seek forgiveness and we get up and we go on and we say, God, I want to be a vessel in your hand. Mold me, shape me, change me. Lord, I need to die to self. And as we bring a genuine heart to God, God will start a work in us that will glorify him. You know, this... This will make an impact on culture. This will make a difference in our homes. This will make a difference in in church, and it will make a difference at work. It will make a difference in our community. And this is this is the reality of Christian living. And Honestly, every one of our hearts ought to be coming back and saying, God, I have failed miserably in this. And I have. But I, I want to encourage you to, to take this and start memorizing it and say, God, I want to memorize this. And then I want you to put it in my heart and soul And I want you to run it through my life. And I want to be a living epistle of Colossians 3. 
in which he says, These are a command put on as children of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy and kindness and humbleness of mind and meekness and long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. And if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. I'm, I'm excited about the, the number of people that are, are getting in the Word in our study. But my burden is not just that we get knowledge, but that God gets us, that He really gets our hearts. And I believe this is foundational to that. Heavenly Father, these are weighty and convicting things that that you ask us. But Lord, you're asking it for us, for our good. You never ask us anything but what it's for our good and your glory. And so I pray that you would not allow the evil one to snatch away your word. I pray that you would show us where our evil heart is prone to excuse or rationalize or run from or deny or ignore or any other many of the ways that we deal with your conviction, I pray that there would come a bowing of our knees to your will. That our eyes wouldn't be on others. And Lord, I pray that we would be brought to one-on-one relationship with you And that we would know the joy of your power at work in our lives, molding us and shaping us to your image. Lord, I know that there come some very, very weighty issues in life that we will never know until we meet you what perhaps even the purpose is, as we read in Deuteronomy, the secret things belong to you. And I know those weighty things can can get us to respond. We allow them to get us to respond wrongly. Lord, I pray, regardless of how weighty and unknown it is to us, I pray that we would know your next step and we would respond with a yes, Lord. And then, Lord, whatever problems come into our life tonight, this week, that our response, I pray that you would be pleased at our response as we seek to honor you through our responses, knowing that you never make a mistake 
pray that every heart would be encouraged. And I pray that we would take steps of obedience to honor you. You have been so gracious to us. You have been so merciful in my life and in our lives. Lord, I pray that we would not frustrate the grace of you and that the grace of you would not be given to us in vain. But that, Lord, it would produce the fruit for which you've ordained it. So we thank you that you've begun a good work in us and you will continue it. So we do thank you for the problems that come into our life. Knowing that you are bigger than any problem, that you know every detail, that you give your grace, and that you are able to make all things work together for good. When we love you and are committed to your purpose of being made into your image. We praise you for your faithfulness in Jesus' name. Amen.